We'll just dive in. Uh, everyone online joining the podcast as Redverse joins in. We are continuing our series B. The overarching idea here is Jesus' call for us to be different. As followers of Jesus, we should not look like the rest of the world. Our way we think, the way we interact with one another, the way we see the world, the way, and the thing we're going to talk about this morning is how we deal with our finances. It should all be different because we come at life from a different perspective. And I know it's been a couple weeks. We had Brad two weeks ago. We had Easter last week. So I want to give you a little recap to get us caught up where we left off three weeks ago uh, because it's really important that we have that baseline before we dive in this morning. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we finished with this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I quoted Job three weeks ago, where Job talks about um, how if we put our trust in money, it's the same as putting our trust in an idol. That we, we can't serve God, we can't pursue God and pursue money. They are exclusive. They demand all of us in order for us to be good followers. And so I gave us an option. I said, you can, you can pursue money, you can pursue the riches of this world, and when you die, you will be left with nothing. Or you can pursue God and experience the blessing and the goodness and everything that comes with God, and when you die... All the blessing that you got here, there's even more of it stored up for you in eternity. And, and I, I posed that to you and said, make your decision. And then I stopped. I'll just leave that with you guys. But the idea is, is that Jesus is trying to get his followers off of the worldly things, trying to get our minds off of money and possessions and, and the things that so easily entangle. Because remember, he's talking to a large group of people. Um, I said at the beginning that this message probably we can read it in 15 minutes uh, it probably took weeks for him to unpack it and the group is growing there's more people coming because they're excited to hear what he has to say but lots of them are poor and when you have nothing you start to be concerned about the things that you don't have and what Jesus is trying to say is don't worry about money don't worry about this stuff Get your eyes on heaven. And so he left off there, and he picks it up in verse 25. And in most of your Bibles, it probably has a new heading that says, don't be anxious. Most translations throw that in there, but the New Living doesn't. Because when we see that heading in our brain, you will just immediately think that we're going on to a new topic. But what the New Living is trying to say is we're not on a new topic. We're still talking about money. And my question I have for you this morning, if you don't think so, is uh, what is something that most often makes you anxious? What is something in your household that you often fight about if you're married couples? What is the thing that causes you, and I know there's a long list of things that could, that make us anxious. I know there's a long list of things that um, cause us to be whatever, but money can be a trigger, Money can be the thing that causes friction, and especially in our society today, where things are tight and the money's not going so far, um, it just adds, it just builds. We're always aware of what we don't have, unfortunately. So, verse 25, this is what Jesus says. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. So he's picking up 
can't serve God in money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Life isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't, they don't work. They are made clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And before I bring up the next heading, um, I want to park there. I think often when we read that last line, why do you have so little faith, we read it as condescending. Jesus is looking down, he's frustrated, he's like, why do you have such little faith? But I've read through all the Gospels, I've read through everything that it says about Jesus, and I don't think he was ever condescending. I think he was caring, I think he was gentle, and I think he said this from a heart that was concerned. Why? Why do you have so little faith? Why do you still struggle with this? You are missing out on so much if you just had a little more faith. But the big thing I want you us to see in these first couple verses is you are valued. We live in a world today that so often values us based on what we can do, what we have to offer, who knows us, who likes us, who follows us on social media, how much money we make, how big our company is, where we are in that company, right? It's all performance-based, your value is based on so many things, and often it's things that you can't control, and often it's things, but sometimes it's things you can't control. And Jesus looks at us, and he says, you have value. Last week, we just heard how God sent his one and only son to die for each and every one of us. Not because we were good, not because we gave our life to him, not because we were exceptional, we were sinners. We were enemies of God. And yet God still looked at us. He saw our value. He saw his imprint of himself on us. And he sent his son to die for you. You are loved. You are valued. And nothing can ever take that away. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more. He's already pouring all of his love out on you in unimaginable depth. You are valued. And I think there's a lot of people who need to hear that because there's so much depression. There's so much loneliness. There's so much... <laughs> mental health is such a big thing and it's because we don't think we're valued. And Jesus explodes on the scene. He's like, look, the birds, God cares for them. God knows how many birds there are on, on the earth. He knows what they need. He provides it for them in their season. God cares for the bird. In Luke it says, sparrows were sold two for a penny. Aren't you worth more than two for a penny? And look at the lilies. Look at the wildflowers. How many people have ever, guys, maybe not, ladies, how many times have you ever just been looking at a vase of flowers and been like, ah, oh, that's so nice. 
I don't know why that was funny. Um, <laughs> wives, how many of you like it when your husband comes home with flowers? Guys, anybody? Like, ooh, I just love it. When my anybody? I'm not mocking you. I'm honestly asking. <laughs> it sounded like I was mocking. I wasn't. But even, even us guys can appreciate something that's beautiful. We can appreciate something that is, is exquisite. And God says, look at the lilies that are here today and gone tomorrow. And yet, even Solomon, in all of his grandeur, never was as exquisite and as beautiful as a lily. And, if, and God is not trying to like knock us down. What Jesus is saying is he, is he is reigniting the fact that we are loved and valued and God has plans and purposes for you. And if he takes care of those things so exquisitely, don't we believe he's going to take care of us? Don't we believe that if he's going to send his son to die on a cross to take away our sins, that he'd also meet our basic needs? This comes back to the teaching that we looked at for G when Jesus taught us to pray. God, teach us. God, give us our daily bread. We don't say that like hoping, like, oh, I hope it comes through. No, we say that in confidence that God is going to provide our daily bread. And one of the things I said at, in that message was that sometimes we need to learn what daily bread looks like. Sometimes we have all these extras and we see them as necessities, but they're really not. And part of us getting our daily bread from God is recognizing what the extra things are that need to be skimmed off. And that's, a, that's really important, especially today. What are the extras that are distracting us? What are the extras that are getting in the way of trusting God to meet our needs? You are valued. You are loved. God sent his son to die for you. You have intrinsic value and nothing can ever take that away from you. And in light of the fact that you are so loved, in light of the fact that you are so valued, in light of the fact that God is so aware of who you are and what you need and where you're at in life, Jesus says this, he says, so. Anytime you see so, he's, he's building off of what was already said. So is a big word. I don't even know if so is a Greek word, but it's something that the English guys put in to help us relate to the fact that this is connected. He says, so, so because you are valued, so because you are loved, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Not everything you want. Big, big importance there. Not everything you want. I think we've tricked ourselves into saying, oh, I need this. No, you just really, really want it. Everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't be anxious. And the tough part is, is that when it comes to our finances, when things start to get a little tight, when we're starting to worry about how we're going to make ends meet, what's the first thing that goes? Any expression of generosity. And I'm not just saying the tithe, right? It's not, the, you know, the, the som, somber song of the, so, the church, like, oh, I don't have any money. 
No, it's every kind of generosity. It's every kind of um, ability to help those that are in need. The first thing to go is anything that doesn't directly help us. Why? Because we worry about paying bills. We worry about food. We worry about clothes. We worry about this stuff. And what Jesus is saying is, stop it. And he makes this really stark contradiction. He's like, unbelievers worry about this stuff. Why? Because they believe that they are the be-all, end-all. If they don't make enough money, if they don't put food on the table, if they don't do it, then it's not going to be there. That's why it dominates their mind. That's why it dominates their thinking. Because they believe that this is the end. And as a believer, Jesus says, you have a different perspective. You have a heavenly father with a thousand cattle on the hill, or cattle on a thousand hills, or however that goes. I don't know. I don't quote that often. But anyways, he's got lots. And he loves you. And he knows what you need before you ask. So why ask? Because he wants a relationship with you. I had to teach my kids this Easter about expecting wrong things. And I'm sure all of our kids do this. Um, We're going to see Grandma and Grandpa at Easter. What does that mean? Presents. Yay, stuff. So we went to my parents first. My parents love gift giving. That is like their jam. So walk in and there's baskets and my kids are like, "Ah!" load the kids in the vehicle to go see the other sets of grandparents. They're like, I can't wait to see what they get. Michelle and I are like, that's not the point. We don't take time off at Easter because we get stuff. That's what Christmas is for. No, um, (laughs) we take time off at Easter because Jesus died for us. And we get to spend time with family. It's not about the stuff. Don't go in expecting things. And don't ask for it. But that's the extras. That's the, that's, the, that's the stuff that we really don't need. What I'm talking about is that God knows that you need food on the table. So are you asking God for food when things are tight? Are you asking God for clothes? Are you asking God for something to drink? Because he knows you need it. Above all, are you honoring God with your finances? This is what he means by seek first. I'm not, this is not the rich young ruler talk of sell everything and just trust God. No, 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 no. A little bit more wisdom than that. But are you putting God first in your finances? Are you saying, God, things are a little tight. I don't know how this is going to work, but I love you. I seek you first. I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to honor you with what I have, and I'm going to trust you for the rest. And speaking from experience, it works. This is not a get-rich-scheme program, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. Michelle and I were talking about this the other day. Um, At my last church, what we would do is they would automatically take our tithe off our check. Like, I never saw that. And in theory, it's a good practice. In theory, because I never missed it, right? I never had a bad month. I never missed signing the check. It just came off automatically. But for some reason, I never saw any of the blessing. Why? It's not like we, were, not like we weren't being compensated well. Why were we always short of money? And we realized that that wasn't sacrificial, we never saw the money. We never had to write the check. We never had to like decide tithe or put gas in the car. Never had that situation. 
because it was automatically gone. It says being here, we're like, no, we're not doing that. Every month, every paycheck, we do it, and, and we don't even think about it. Boom. There goes the, the offering because God gets first. Not my rent, not my insurance, not my everything else. God goes first because God is preeminent. God comes first. And it sounds like a giving talk, kind of, right? kind of feels like a giving talk. So I can't talk about giving without touching on the big Malachi 3 verse because I can't. And we've all heard it. If you've been in church for a long time, you've heard this verse, right? You've heard this teaching about the tithe. So this is what Malachi says. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Remember, this is a, remember this. Oh, I got ahead of myself. Whoopsies. Right, we've heard this. Bring the tithe. Put me to the test. And it's taught like that we need to bring our 10%. We don't bring our 10%. We're less than and da 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 da. And I want to encourage you that the tithe is an Old Testament teaching. What Jesus teaches is not tithing. What Jesus teaches is generosity. And generosity looks different for each and every one of us. There's a better understanding of when it, when it comes to our offering. There's a better understanding of what it means. And we go to 1 Corinthians. This is what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will only get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So I said, I'm not pressuring anything. I'm teaching. For God loves a cheerful giver, a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Same words Jesus used. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmers and bread to eat. The same way he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Paul says be generous. But don't, go, don't, don't stretch yourself too thin. This is a couple chapter teaching that Paul has for the Corinthians. He said don't, don't go so far that you're strapped. Be wise about this. But what does generosity look like for you? And I think the reason the church is kind of stuck to this 10% is because 10% grows as you grow, right? If I said, you know, everyone's got to give X number of dollars, it's really hard in the beginning, but as you, God blesses you and gives generously, then, then it becomes easier and easier and easier. 10% is, it gets exponentially, anyways, I'm, you don't need to do the math. What Paul is saying is take your finances to God, Take your finances. This is my challenge for you, okay? This is what I want you to do for this week. Put this into practice. Take your finances. Go to your prayer closet. If you're married, make sure your spouse is with you. Worst thing you can do is pray to God about your finances and say, like, we're doing this. I don't think so. With your spouse. Find some time this week. Sit down with your finances. Lay it all out for God and be like, God, this is what I got. 
help me. Because when it comes to financial advisement, I don't know about you, but I like to go to him. He knows a thing or two. God, show me. What, what am I missing? What do I need to skim? What do I, what am I, what am I, what's not necessary? How much do I give based on what I got, based on everything that you see, God? Help me. And as God speaks to you and reveals things to you, decide in your heart, this is what I'm going to give. And as we trust God with our finances and as we trust God with the things that he has given us, right? All good things come from God. And we rely on this truth that we're going to put God first, we're going to live righteously, and he's going to meet all of our needs. You just watch the worry and the anxiety just kind of wash away. It might take time. It's not going to be easy. But ask God, what does generosity look like for me in my time right now? And then don't do it reluctantly, like, oh, okay. But you met with the living God, and he has said, this is the amount, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to do it. That should fill you with joy and excitement, and you should be excited for what you're going to do. You should be excited because the God of the universe met with you, and he gave you a plan, and he's going to propel you into greater things. You are valued. You are loved. God knows all that you need before you ask. You need to start with that truth. It doesn't start with money. It doesn't start with the finances. It doesn't start with the stuff. It starts with who you are and who you are in the eyes of God. You are loved. You are valued. God knows what you need before you ask. And he's going to provide generously. Oh, you of little faith, will you grow in this area and just trust that God is going to do what he has always done. If he did it for the birds and he did it for the flowers, he's going to do it for you. Be assured, you serve a good God who loves you immensely. Worship team, you can come on up once Michelle gets back with Emily. Um, I'm going to pray as stall tactic. Um, I'm going to pray. Uh, so I invite everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes. Jesus, this is always a tough topic, talking about money. Because it's something that we deal with on a daily basis. And it can be trust. It can be <laughs> trust. It can be tough to trust you with it. And yet, Jesus, you spoke about it so often. You say you want to show your faith, you want to show that you love God, and that God, prove it in this area. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us. Speak to us about our finances. Speak to us about our situation. Show us the changes that we need to make so that we are honoring you with what you've given us. 
God, each and every person here and online, I pray, God, that you would show us what it means to honor you with our finances. I pray that you would show us what it means to put you first, to seek the kingdom of God, and to live righteously in this area. That could so often be so tough. That can be so filled with tension. God, we trust you because you said that you know what we need before we ask. And then you will provide generously in our time of need. So God, we trust that. We believe that. We want to live accordingly. And as we do, may our assurance in you grow. May our faith in you grow. Pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.